live from Austin, Texas, the music capital of the world, this is the Cat Mac Podcast for April 2016. This month we'll explore traveling with technology, how to save time, money, and frustration as you head out for that summer vacation. Guests Tommy Craig and John Purvis will explore all the helpful hints that they can possibly think of to make your traveling so much easier. All this and more on the Cap Mac Podcast. Once again, we're recording this in our makeshift studios in the back room of Denny's Capital, just before a board meeting. Let's dive in. John, have you traveled with technology before? What kind of challenges have you run into with technology on the road? Well, I have traveled somewhat with technology, mostly with my iPad. I've not taken an iPhone abroad yet because I didn't want to incur additional charges, though I'm looking forward to doing that in the coming year. The challenges that I've had are mostly that of keeping my device charged up and multiple devices charged up. So it's always a challenge to, number one, have all the right cables uh, and to be able to also carry with me a extra battery so I can charge things while I'm out and about if it's necessary. Now that I have an Apple Watch as well as an iPhone and an iPad, I'm going to be looking at that capability even more to make sure that I don't fail to get everything charged when I need to. So one of the things I'm going to be doing is looking at what my quote go bag unquote is going to be containing. What cables do I need? What devices I need? And as I go to various technical meetings in other locations in the U.S., I have the same thing. I need to keep everything charged. So how do I go about doing that? How do I operate my iPad as an my portable computer so I have a carry my uh, Bluetooth keyboard with me how do I keep all of this stuff running and keep it with me now Tommy you you have one of those battery cases from Apple for your your phone you've been pleased with that I've been very pleased with it 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 basically doubles the the life of your iPhone uh, battery life of your iPhone uh, so I can get usually about two days worth of use out of that. And so the nice thing is if I really need to now, I can plug the battery pack into the bottom of the battery case. So uh, I've got probably three days worth of iPhone juice there. But when I'm traveling, I also carry a larger uh, like 10,000 uh, milliamp hour uh, battery pack that will charge up two different things at once. Now, have you run into some problems on the road with with your phone? I know you all have taken some trips. Well, the I guess kind of what I think is the most interesting, it worked out okay, but uh, we did a cruise last September. Uh, we flew up to Montreal and then cruised down uh, to Boston. And so I'm with Sprint, and Sprint does free roaming in Canada. So I thought, oh, well, I'm set. But and I knew that on the ship, you know, if you use your phone, uh, there's a, a charge for that, and I didn't ever intend to do that. But what happens is, what happened was, I got home and got this huge bill from Sprint of like two hundred and fifty dollars, 
and uh, called them and they said, oh, the problem is even though you were in Canada and you were, you were off the ship, you were close enough that your, your cell still registered through the ship's uh, thing. And they told me you need to be about 200 yards away from the ship before you really can count on getting free roaming. They were nice enough to, to take all those charges off, which I uh, can't really complain about, but it was kind of a shock to, to get them on your bill to begin with. Michael, in, in answering your question, uh, I have, when I've been abroad before, tried to use Wi-Fi as my communications mechanism, taking my iPad with me and using it for email to people back here in the States. I was happened to be in London at the time. And yes, Wi-Fi is great, but finding free Wi-Fi, at least when I was there a few years ago, was difficult. Now, I suspect it's easier now, and I would go prepared now with some sort of a Wi-Fi locator program to help me find those locations. But that is a challenge, as is the bandwidth that's available in those locations. So that would be one issue uh, as I go abroad. Tell me, when you were on the ship, what kind of connectivity did you have? You know, I, I never think of a cruise ship having a lot of Wi-Fi and cells and all that. I guess they do have a lot of technology. Oh, they certainly do. Um, you just pay for it. <laughs> and, I mean, you, you've, you pay substantially for it. Um, for example, I don't remember the exact price, but I think, I remember the first tier was you buy a, a prepaid Wi-Fi card for I think a hundred minutes, and I think it was fifty or sixty bucks. Um, now, of course, if you buy more minutes, it gets a little cheaper, but it never gets down to a price that you want to pay. Um, so I just didn't use Wi-Fi on the ship, but I was lucky enough that. Um, you know get it in canada and and also when we went to alaska uh i could usually walk off the ship somewhere and go into a restaurant or something and find a free wi-fi spot hot spot my wife and i are in the process of planning a cruise and she's made and researched hotel rooms and has always booked them through the internet rather than the carrier because or, or from the cruise line itself because they're so much cheaper um, I, I don't recall right off the top of my head which vendor it is, uh, but it's substantially uh, cheaper to book them than it is going even directly to those hotels. The other thing is that I, we've been looking at where we're going in a number of cities, Barcelona, Venice, other places, and we found, or I found, that there are travel apps that are targeted at those specific cities. Uh, I, I think the name of the vendor is Uman or Uman, but they are great from the standpoint of not only do you have them that have maps of the city as well as points of interest, but they are all where they can be downloaded and can be used offline. So I could still take them on my phone or my iPad and not be connected to the network, not be subject to charges, but have them for navigating in those cities, which I'm looking forward to as a very good way of making our way around those cities and seeing things on foot. Well, actually, Oman has not only those individual cities, 
uh, which are targeted at for specific cities around the world, but they also have cities to, or maps to go. And maps to go is a world map that allows you to download maps and have them on your phone so you don't have to download them there. My wife and her best friend were in Europe last year or year before and they had downloaded them and they were able then to navigate through a number of areas St. Petersburg and uh, Stockholm and I forget all the locations but they can't went with everything pre-downloaded so they had them to navigate that's also a good tip too is that OpenStreetMap let's hear it for those folks um, support both Garmin and Navigon which has downloadable maps and will also warn you if you're driving in a rent car you don't have to have a, a data plan at all you can just have the pre-downloaded maps and it will even warn you about speeding and when you're coming to a hotel and you can get petrol and all that stuff so that's 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 really handy too finding yeah. cheap airfares there are also really great um apps for public transportation uh that give you bus routes and plan routes for you uh, one of the, I guess it's still available. It's an old app called Tube, I think, and yes. it pulls up subway maps for you in different cities and all. And so those can be extremely useful. Did you all ever look for any bargains online before you went? Uh, yeah, we we have. Um, usually, I always book airfare or hotels or whatever through you know an app of some sort. Um, I have a lot of the specific hotel chain apps and that sort of thing, but I also use uh, Expedia and Travelocity and those sorts of things. Uh, what One thing that I've found, and this has changed through the years, usually if you can find a good fare with something like Travelocity or something like that, and then you just make notes about the flight number and times and all that, and then go directly to the airline page a lot of times you can save five or ten bucks off the the fare uh, because you know Travelocity or whatever gets their little kick off of booking your fare and if you book directly with say Delta or American you might save five bucks or something something I found on the iPhone recently is a an app called Hopper and I've been following airfares to Shenzhen China and surprisingly, I have found a round-trip airfare for under $600 from Austin, Texas to Shenzhen on United. Some days, it is $600 to fly to Newark. <laughs> I've, we've looked at airlines, uh, flights to Europe, and they're, they were cheap if you were willing to fly Turkish Air. And it's like, I'm not sure I'm willing to do that. You don't want to fly Emirates this year. Well, Emirates, I have a feeling I would feel more comfortable with than Turkish Air. Well, one of the interesting things, which I haven't tried yet, and I'm actually hoping to do that sometime soon, is now uh, several hotel chains, at least some of their hotels, uh, provide uh, access to your room. You use your phone or your Apple Watch as your room key. And I think that's kind of a cool thing. You can actually check in online before you get there, and they give you a room number, and you don't even have to stop at the front desk. You just go up, uh, 
click your watch app or whatever and open the door and go in and you're you're set and that's that's just a whole new way of dealing with hotels that i think the the future is coming more and more toward that way and i find that pretty interesting and i think it'll be really nice one of the big problems about going just about anywhere if you're flying is going through security have y'all had any problems going through security with technology not in the last several years i remember many years ago i had to boot my mac which took forever to prove that it actually worked but that's probably more than a decade ago more recently they seem to be very cognizant of what i have what an ipad is and not give me any problems about it or the multitude of cables and strange tubular devices i have i.e batteries i'm carrying along with me so in that regard i haven't had much of, of a problem going through tsa checkpoints no i really haven't um just kind of interesting i find this interesting back and this was once again years ago um when i went to europe i found the way that they treated electronics completely different than the way i was treated in the u.s um for example as john said a lot of times in the u.s they'd want you to boot up your computer or whatever and so I was in Belgium, I guess, and um, tried. I, they wanted to see what my computer was and all, and I reached over to, to boot it up like we do here. And they grabbed my hand and said, no, don't touch it. And they ran a chemical swab around the computer to check for explosives and all. So um, this was 10, 15 years ago, so I'm sure that's all probably changed now. But I, I thought, thought it was kind of interesting, the different approaches that um, different countries had to that. For myself, when I'm looking at travel, not internationally, but domestically, how do you navigate? Now, obviously, we have many different navigation apps, although the one, while I have my Apple Maps, I prefer using Waze as I drive by car because it gives you the crowdsource feedback about what's going on how the traffic is, is it congested, is there a vehicle on the side of the road or what have you. And I like that level of feedback uh, that I can get from others around me as I travel. Tommy, you use Uber and Lyft. What kind of experience have you had with those in Austin? And I notice that they're rolling out internationally now. I mostly use Lyft. Uh, I've only used Uber three or four times and uh, I prefer Lyft. I, I think it's a much better company, and, and I've had nothing but great success with Lyft. I've used it in Austin, uh, San Antonio. I've used it in Boston. Uh, haven't used it overseas uh, yet, but um, the service is wonderful. Uh, usually, I think the longest I've ever waited for a ride is like 9 or 10 minutes. Uh, the fares are less than cab fare, and usually the, the service is just incredible. The people are really friendly and nice, and you actually can carry on a nice conversation and get to know something about the, the person in the area from them, more, uh, a lot more so than with a cab driver who might be wanting to talk on their phone the whole time, which is, happens quite often. Now, one of the, the things here in Austin is the concern about personal safety and 
do you feel safer in one than the other? Honestly, I feel safer in Lyft than I do taxis. Um, that may sound, you know, kind of strange, but, um, you know, you got to think about it. Uh, Lyft drivers, they're logged into an app that tracks everywhere they go. Uh, that's all tracked by the company, and those records can be pulled up. Uh, they do have to do at least Lyft does background checks and they do in-person interviews now uber does not do in-person interviews they um you know so you can actually sign up to drive for uber without uh ever seeing someone from uber um that's one reason i prefer lyft but um you know i've found uh in the past especially some of the cab drivers i got were some really pretty scuzzy people and um, I've had cab drivers just completely go past where I wanted to go and I told them to turn around and they kept going and uh, to the point where I've had the, to pull out my phone and start calling the, the police. Uh, I've never had anything like that happen with Lyft. How do you prepare your, your phone for takeoff, John? Are you one of those people that's airplane mode? Or have you been on a flight that's had in-flight Wi-Fi and no, none of that? I never buy the in-flight Wi-Fi. <laughs> you don't fly Southwest enough to get the free Wi-Fi. No, I, I've used the in-flight Wi-Fi on Southwest. Um, generally, you know, you get some things free and not everything. So um, that's it's kind of nice, but it's pretty limited. So um, I don't find it that helpful uh but it, it's a nice service also the other place that you can use wi-fi is if you don't like to fly and you want to do megabus they have free wi-fi on on megabus now and and i use that quite often when i ride megabus have charging outlets by all the seats which is really nice hold on tommy they have charging outlets on a megabus they do. Every seat has, by the window, they have, have an electrical outlet you can plug your device into. I've checked the uh, the fare. It's like, you know, off-peak is like $6 from Austin to San Antonio. I've ridden from here to San Antonio for 3 bucks, And if you buy your ticket soon enough and you're like one of the first people for that route, you can travel uh, for a dollar pretty much like from here to Dallas, which is pretty amazing (laughs) is this a retired school bus or is this a nice place they're nice buses they're double-decker buses and um, they even have some seats that have tables that you can sit at and all Uh, they do have onboard tv and radio which sometimes they turn on and sometimes they don't Uh, each seat has your own adjustable air conditioning vent um, it has a restroom, you know. It's it's a nice bus. I, I think they're nicer than Greyhound, for example. Now, when you when you're going Megabus, do you do you book it online? Yeah, you book it on their webpage. Uh, there is an app, but I've never really used the app that much. I found the the webpage much more friendly, uh, and you know it. They kind of sell tickets like airlines. So the the sooner you buy the cheaper your seat is and i've known people that have gone from nashville to dallas for a buck each way 
When you go to a different city, how do you find great places to eat? Have you ever used your technology to find, discover new places? Well, the, the place that most comes to mind, and usually my wife's doing it, and I've had this suggested by a couple of our other members, is to use Yelp to come up with recommendations for interesting and unusual places to eat in a different city. Um, you always want to have some places recommended, not just pick it off the wall, because you just never know where you're going to walk into regardless of what it looks like from the outside so at least with something that you get from yelp you have some recommendations to go from and can you know use that as a basis for your judgment yeah we've we've used yelp we've uh, also used siri just and ask for a particular kind of restaurant um there's also a little simple app uh, it's gotten more complicated, but originally it was very simple, called Around Me. And Around Me is kind of a neat little app because it just pulls up points of interest around you, and those can be restaurants or businesses or whatever. And it's kind of just a real quick, easy way to could get an idea about, about the neighborhood you're in. So uh, I've used all of those. Following up with what Tommy says, there's another app that I have used, and I also see that uh, Nathan had recommended it as well, and that's one called iExit. And if you're traveling by car, what it does is to tell you what is available at the coming exits as you're going down the interstate. Now, it doesn't work on state highways, at least it didn't when I tried it. But it would tell you as you were going down the interstate, you knew what mile marker you were you were at. You could look ahead, see what places there were to eat or shop or whatever as you were going ahead down the highway. So it gives you that advantage if you're traveling by car. Something else that's real handy is there are several apps that will help you find public toilets in both U.S. cities and international cities. The, the other thing to keep in mind when you're traveling internationally is most of those are not, when you say public toilets, they're not free. In most places, you have an attendant that is expecting you to pay a small amount to go in and use the facilities. One of the things when you're traveling internationally or in a, in a hotel, maybe even, uh, I've had this experience in Mexico, where you go into a hotel and you're in a hotel lobby and it says free Wi-Fi. And you go like, oh my God, I've hit the jackpot. And it's a strong signal. And you log into free Wi-Fi and all of a sudden, you know, you're tempted to check your bank balance or, or something like that. And you discover that that free Wi-Fi is some guy sitting over there in the corner, you know, on a PC, you know, looking for your passwords. To follow with what you said, Michael, the, the best thing to do in those situations is always use a VPN so that you can be dumped back in the U.S. somewhere through the VPN provider. And in that way, you can make sure that your transmissions are encrypted and no one can tap into those packets as you are trying to log into anything, whether it's your mail account or bank account or just surfing the web. I, I think, I, I guess, you know, a lot of security, I think, is just common sense. And you try not to use networks that you don't think are safe. You know, if you're staying at a hotel and it's obviously a hotel network, you're probably fairly safe. But uh, I'm real leery about networks at airports or, or public places like that. 
so uh, generally just be careful I think more and I don't do a lot of, of sensitive things when I'm on a, a Wi-Fi network like I don't check my bank balance and that sort of thing from that type of connection um, another thing that we might want to talk about a little bit is that I believe TSA has an app and you might want to put this on the the webpage um, that I think it's called safe traveler and they do some things like give you about um, information about travel warnings and uh, things like that in different countries and tell you about how to skip the 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 uh, get priority check-ins or through security lines and that sort of thing with that app so okay now is the time to join slack okay there aren't enough people using slack john you started us using this thing why should we be using slack well I, I did start. We've got about 33 people signed up right now. Uh, I find that it's extremely useful to carry on conversations as you have participated in uh, on various subjects. We've had quite a active discussion ongoing regarding the Apple versus the FBI issue. We've had a lot of discussion about apps that different people have suggested ongoing group discussion about photography that I'm not participating in, though I know it's out there. So the opportunity that Slack provides us is to carry on a conversation with others within the CatMac family about a topic of interest. Uh, if you look through the list of channels, and I think we have 15 now, there are lots of opportunities, and if you find that you want to talk about a subject that's not listed, create your own channel. Invite members in. Have a discussion. The benefit of using those channels is it, it segregates the conversation so that only those who are interested in that topic are going to be getting those posts. So if you're not interested in security, you, and subs you don't subscribe to that channel, you don't see those posts. Likewise for, secure, for the photography channel. So pick and choose the channels you're interested in, join them, and then you are part of that conversation. Uh, I, I have found that I use it daily. I post at least once a day somewhere for something, uh, sharing deals that I see, we have a deal channel. I don't think very many people are members of that yet. And now, and when I say this, keep in mind that every channel other than the general channel and the random channel is opt-in. So you have to go and say you want to join those other channels. So you need to look and see what's available to decide what you want to participate in. But going back to deals, deals is, just as the name implies, a way for the membership to share opportunities on products. Uh, sometimes I see these in articles or in press releases and I've posted them. I've seen several others that have posted them there as well. So. It gives you an opportunity, in this case, to find out about new apps uh, and or apps you may be interested in that are available for a short time at a reduced price. 
in general what slack does is to give us a tailored communication channel and we can tailor it to whatever level we want to have to make it possible for our members to communicate share exchange ideas with one another well slack just to me is a is a good way for people to stay in touch more than anything and it offers a lot of uh a lot of possibilities, and I think we're just at the beginning stages of figuring out what we can, can and want to do with it. And, of course, one of the things that's important is feedback. And uh, this is kind of a program that kind of John started spearheading, and we set up the email account. And, uh, John, tell us about feedback. Well, feedback is an email address that we have. Uh, is an alternative to using Slack where if you have a question, a comment, a suggestion, you can send it to the board using the feedback email address, feedback at catmac.org. That way you can share your thoughts and viewpoints with us and help us to create better programs and services for you as a member of CatMac. Thanks for joining us this month on the CapMac Podcast. If you're a member of CapMac, thanks for supporting us. If you're not yet a member, we hope you'll join us at one of our meetings, one of our SIGs, or on our website at www.capmac.org. We're one of the oldest and largest Apple users groups in the world, and we'd sure like to have you as a member. If you have ideas or suggestions for CapMac, please send them to feedback at capmac.org. This is a presentation of the Capital Macintosh Users Group in Austin, Texas, and we'll see you next month. <laughs>